0: I had a very strange childhood. Had the worst case any doctor had ever seen. My job is to keep healing. So that is the story.
1: We all have remarkable stories within us. Stories of adversity, challenges, triumphs, and ultimately of healing. This is Your Health, Your Story, the podcast. There's a wonderful quote by Brene Brown that states, one day you'll tell your story of how you overcame what you went through And it will be someone else's survival guide. I know of that quote because of today's guest. When you're in the midst of a chronic condition that's greatly impacted a large portion of your life, it can be hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, or even imagine sharing with others how you overcame what you're going through right now. For many, they're told there is no light, and they have to live with their disease forever, simply managing it. But today's guest is here to shine a light into that tunnel. As an actress, musician, storyteller, producer, she entertained many, and when she transitioned into a teacher and mentor for young artists, she helped many develop their talents through self-expression and human interaction. But perhaps her greatest role is that of a wellness advocate spreading her own message of hope and healing through the recount of her own personal story out of the darkness of Lyme disease and back into the creative realm. This is the story of Limelight Journey with Brooke Presida.
0: You know, it's like for me with Limelight Journey, I'm lucky. I am lucky from literally the time I was born. I have felt the light and the energy and the power of of what it feels like to sing, to play music, To you know, not necessarily be on a stage proper, but to entertain people and watch human reaction and human response, to elicit laughter from people and sadness and emotions and to teach people how to feel those things. I I just I have always felt that. So I've never been confused. I mean, well, there was a spell when I thought I wanted to be a hairdresser, but I've (laughs) never been really long-term confused at all ever about what makes me glow and where I shine, right? So for me, focusing on that and living in that and dedicating time every day, like knowing I was going to prepare to talk to you today, I sat with my guitar last night because here I am writing some stuff down, talking about music, talking about my connection. But most of what I do now is on my computer, And I'm producing and writing and managing and doing all these things. And I'm like, when's the last time I sat and did the thing that I'm talking about in this movie and the thing that I talk about every day? There's an imbalance there for me where if I don't dedicate time to the thing that I love, it sinks, you know, and there. So there goes my vibration. There goes my immune system. So when I sat with my guitar last night, oh man, it's like, You know, I don't do it because I'm not good enough at it. And I can't play everything I want to play, right? I can sing circles around the world, but I can't accompany myself well enough to wail the way I want to wail. So it's like, so I just don't do it. And the joy, just like the goods in healing is in the process, right? So it's in the process of sitting with that thing and feeling my fingers hurt. And it's in the process of not judging myself Oh, you don't play enough. Your fingers are killing you. You know, I take it down and I'm shaking like this. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, and it's not going to get better with my guitar sitting over there. I'm not going to get stronger at it. And the goal is not to get stronger or get anywhere, it's to be in the light, in the thing, in the shine. Going back to what we were just talking about, that's my contribution to the solution. And I feel that when we all, quote unquote, play our part and live in that space within ourselves, no matter what it is, you could be a lawyer and love right and wrong and love morality and love proving things, you know, and if that is what gets you up and gets you out of bed and gets you grooving, do it, do it every day. And, you know, like I said, hairdresser, you could love styling people to help them feel great about themselves. And if that's at the end of the day, when you go home and go, I love myself, I love my life, I love this world, it's not such a hard thing to love the world when you bring that aspect of yourself to it. Think about if we all had the capacity to do that, how things would lift and rise. And is that idealistic? Maybe, but I'm doing it for myself, so everybody else can make (laughs) that decisions. (laughs)
1: decisions. <laughs> I don't think that's idealistic at all. And listen, I'm I'm a huge proponent of purpose and passion, being like the ultimate healer and the ultimate way to tap into your authentic self, feel healthy, be happy. Is, it really starts there. And that's what I've seen with a lot of different patients that they lost their purpose and passion. But then it brings up a question. You said you knew you had purpose and passion and you knew what you wanted to do from a young age, yet you got sick. Yet you struggled for many years and that brought you on this journey and brought you now to go into bring this journey into the limelight. See what I did there? Limelight journey, journey limelight.
0: See how I set you up to do that with the title?
1: You totally did. Thank you. That was an easy baton pass there. I, I thought I'd drop hey, that for them. a second and be like light of the <laughs> lime in the uh, journey. Oh man, screwed up the joke. No, uh, but. Talk about that because you knew all these things, like a lot of people, they feel lost in the world, then they get sick, not correlating the two almost. And it's kind of easy, I feel like, to get sick when you don't have passion, purpose, you're unhappy, already to begin with, you're depressed, and then things kind of go spiraling downward into chronic disease. But you were young, right, when this story started, when this journey started. So can you go into that and maybe a little bit of insight of what you think kind of brought this about? 100%.
0: And it's only now, let's say about 30 years after starting to be symptomatic, when I first started to investigate the possibility of, I didn't know I was investigating Lyme because I thought being from Long Island, I thought for sure I would have known if I had Lyme or not. Some doctor somewhere along the way had to have tested me, right? But so it was 30 years later where I was just so devastatingly ill that I there was no, I had to find out there was no, it wasn't cute anymore. You know it, it wasn't like I crossed over from hot mess into a mess, you know? And it's like, so I really want to talk about what you said, knowing what I wanted to do and having this passion and this amazing, you know, what I call a gift, a gift to connect to what is important and special and beautiful to me, like, like that, you know? How did I still get sick if I had that? And if I was so in the flow and so in connection with the cosmic this and that, why did I get sick? And it's interesting because sometimes the same thing that gives you your gift and allows you to be a force can take you down. And it's not so much always about knowing what you are, what you want, or what you give, but what your process is in receiving that and giving it back. Because I think everything is, you know, it recycles, right? I, I channel stuff when I write and when I play music and when I act and anytime I'm performing or creating art. When it's good, it's not me. It's coming in, right? And I know that and I know when I download and if I have to go to work or I have something to do, that's why I have like 60-day jobs. Because if I had to be somewhere for 8 to 10 hours a day for somebody else... And I got a download in the middle of the day. My life would suck. <laughs> so I piece together all this stuff so that I have time and I can move my squares around. Because I know that if I block that, I will not. I will not be healthy. I know for sure. I have blocked that before in my life to try to accomplish other things, or be something else, or please somebody in some way, or be part of a picture that I thought I wanted. And if I ever have to block that, I'm doing the wrong thing. So to go back to how I could have gotten sick, there are a lot of lessons I had to learn about how I was going about being in that flow or with that force. And when I went to England, I didn't love living in England. Okay. It's dreary, it's rainy, people aren't the, you know, sort of happy feely. But I learned, I learned a lot about why people are the way they are there and why that culture has such wonderful things about it in Europe in general. When I was up on stage one day, this is like, I was in shock. This was a compliment and, and feedback from a teacher there after I'd sung something. And she said, we've got such a lovely, quiet confidence. And I was like, oh my God, no one has ever, A, called me quiet, confident maybe, but not the two together, right? And what I learned, which I'm still learning now is... I have been an overly confident person my whole life. And just, I have this will, which is why I'm alive. Okay. It is why I create and produce things at the speed that I do at the excellent level that I'm able to create stuff. And I say that because I'm proud of it and I love what I do and I do good work, but often it comes at the expense of my wellness. So it's my drive and my passion and... My love, like my extreme just connectedness, that often will overrun my ability to actually be on the planet and be still and listen to my body. You can't live like chronically in that space. It's you'll burn out. And I burnt out. And I think it started happening at a very young age. And my soul's lesson, if we believe in that, and if that's the route we go to talk about these kind of things. If we do come here to learn things, right, as human beings, I was always 10 steps ahead of everybody else, full speed ahead, ordering people around. I was the boss. Those things serve me greatly in business and in production. But when it comes to human relationships, health, chilling out, I had zero skills because I came in like guns, you know, out. Get out of my way. I'm going to make stuff. You know, and it's like, so I have to keep tabs on myself now and I schedule in purposeful downtime and days off because I know that's a disease as well. And I can say that because you don't know until you're down and out that it's taken you over. It's very difficult to preemptively say, oh, that thing is happening again. My whirlwind is happening. I better be careful or I'm going to end up sick. And now my symptoms of sickness, they're not symptoms anymore. They're warning signs that I am progressing in a way that created my illness in the first time. Did that in- encourage a tick to jump off of something and set and burrow into my skin and give me a disease? No, but did my persona and my personality and my inability to calm down and my constant fight or flight offer the pathogen a place to survive thrive and take over yes i fully believe that and i fully believe that when i get into that zone now i am saying here i am everybody i'm going crazy i'm out of control look what i made the show's really good but i'm over here free reign everyone attack 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 you know and it's like it's taken me a really long time and i'm still really not good at it because i love to do stuff you know
1: I think it's a lifelong process. And when you study creative types, some of the most creative people in history, whether it's like Tesla, Einstein, all of them, they weren't necessarily that healthy, right? They they all took something a little bit too far. And I see this a lot in, in the clinic. You see patients like yourself and others that are just truly creative. They're in like, they're starting companies in Silicon Valley that are blowing up worth billions and they're young and unhealthy. And if you looked at them, you wouldn't know it right? Because they're thriving, they're talking on news stations and putting stuff out into the world that's amazing. But they're lacking something on the health side. And I think they're going too far and the balance is not there. Somebody talked about the balance and polarity of life. You need that. I find it really interesting at the same time, I know that taking breaks are essential for these people. And that's something you did when you were making limelight journey you actually stopped during the pandemic can you talk a little bit about that what made you stop and then what made you start up and when do you feel like you can continue this journey and telling your story
0: yeah it's really interesting when we tell our stories right the amount of times i've said the sentence limelight journey is the story of how for 30 years i lived with undiagnosed lyme disease this mysterious chronic illness but you know And after a while, it's like it's a track in your head. Not even after a while. After a while, you become conscious that it's a track in your head. But after you say it once or twice, it's a track in your head. (laughs) Don't be fooled by the, like, the power of our minds to create stories for ourselves. So I had to stop because I, I was living in the story still. So even though my body does not show Lyme disease anymore, I do not have any. Nothing shows up. With Western medical doctors, energetic testing, BAH, nothing shows. I'll get muscle tested. I did that thing where you put your hand in the pod to do the um, thingies. Yep, thingies, very scientific.
1: Thingies, oh, Zyto, Rife, Sire, like yeah, all Rife, those. The Rife, yeah, the Rife machines. machines and Vega machines. Yeah, EAVs.
0: Yeah, none of that comes up for me. What still comes up for me is viral stuff. So I'm still dealing, dealing with that, and which is much better since I've learned to slow down a little bit. But I was living as if I still had something that could kill me. So it's really interesting. People are like, oh my God, you must be so happy. You don't have Lyme anymore. Do you feel amazing? And I'm like, first of all, I have 760 other things to deal with (laughs) that happened to my body and my mind along the way. And also you live in the paradigm of fight or flight and illness. So it's like, the story I wanted to tell was not about being sick with Lyme disease because the more I reinforced it in my brain, the more I lived, still lived in it. So it took me a, the whole pandemic to realize that's what was happening. And I had met some people along the way who were telling their stories as well. And then, or who had had Lyme, who I reached out to and they connected with me. And I'm like, so what are you doing with it? They're like, oh, nothing. I've exited that scene. Like I'm not telling my story. And I was like, no, right, I'm going to do it. He's, <laughs> I, you know, and I was like, that guy is not strong enough to tell his story. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like that guy knows exactly what he's doing. And yep. so, you know, again, going back to the thing that gives me my power that could also take me down is never taking no for an answer. And I can't do it with myself either. So I set out to do something. I said, I was going to do something. I take my word very seriously so at one point what I did again circling back to what we talked about before it's not necessarily the destination or where you're headed or in the case of you know my life's purpose what I meant to do what are the steps you're taking along the way and what's the energy behind the movement so i was frantically trying to finish something and fit it into a little box that would fit for amazon or netflix or hbo or a producer or other documentarian friends of mine. And, you know, everyone's given me advice. Same thing with Lyme or same thing when I didn't know what I had. Didn't you try this? Maybe that. Maybe it's all in your head. Da, 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 da. You should swim or you're taking probiotics. And it's like, oh my God, like go away. So I hit the same wall with producing this. And what I realized was I was trying to tell the story and be the journey for everyone else but myself. And, you know, any good documentary where the person telling it is the subject, it has to come from your heart because, you know, people can sniff out a lie a million miles away. And like, even if that lie or that, if I glossed it over or made it a certain way to be marketable, it's not my brand. My brand is, I don't care what you think. And I'm putting this on YouTube for free because... I would be dead if I did what other people told me to do, if I went by the books, if I did what statistics said. So I realized that I wasn't in the car as myself, you know, I might've been driving, but like, I did not know where I was going. I was just like, ah, gas, let's go, let's get wherever we're going. And so it, the pandemic, like for so many other people forced me to go even more slowly than I had to with Lyme. Um, Because I still had so much healing to do. And I'm sure, you know, next year when we do this again, I'll be like, that interview I did with you in 2021, I was clueless. Because you keep learning and you keep evolving, if you're lucky.
1: If you're lucky. If you allow change and you embrace it, even when you're scared of it to help you evolve, that's the great part. Especially
0: when you're scared. So what was the question? Why did I take a break? Because I was lying. And I don't like to put anything inauthentic out. And it's very difficult when it becomes a cross between entertainment and your truth. So I wanted to find a way that didn't fit into any like documentary box. And everyone's like, you can't do that. You can't, you can't refilm some of it and make some of it entertaining. I'm like, why? Why? Because it's not going to fit in a category at the Academy Awards. I don't care. (laughs) I'm going to be funny. I'm going to add music. I'm going to add stories. I'm going to film stuff that was not done before. And I'm going to add the story, the actual road trip story of what happened. And Because that, that road trip is a piece of the big puzzle. Whereas when I started, I thought the road trip was the movie. It's like, we're going on a journey. I'm going to meet all the nothing I planned happened. It all went to shit. <laughs>
1: And that's going to be incredibly difficult to try and box in your story, which is so complex, intricate, so many years, 30 plus years you're talking about, into like one road trip. Yeah. You know, that would be like the the most epic road trip of all time or one of the craziest, saddest road trips of all time. Yeah. And yeah. I, it's your story. So it's like you got to write yourself. And, I'm, I, you know, I think taking that break and seeing it through a different light as you change and evolve, I think that'll just absolutely help the story come out.
0: Yeah, I'm still figuring it out. You know, by the time this podcast comes out,
1: it'll be totally different. I don't.
0: I don't think it'll be totally different because you know, let's go back to the question you asked me at the last piece of that question, which was, "How did I get back in the car?" So to speak? right? Right. And it is because actually, someone who was at the center, who I referred, who text, you know, I get texts and phone calls nonstop from people, and how did you do this? What are you doing? What diet? Are you vegan? You know? <laughs> and f- at first I would write these long emails back to people with like all of this explicit stuff and I'd be really detailed. And then I got to a point where I was like, you got this. You know, like I just have like truncated everything I say because it really doesn't matter. What people want is someone to touch back. That's it. And so sometimes they want the details and the answers. But anyway, a friend of mine was at the center and this had been just one of the many letters and notes that I'd gotten. But he said, I just showed my mom your trailer. Now, of course she wants to meet you. (laughs) She started crying. She's so excited about the documentary. And I was like, if there's one person whose mom is going to feel better because I make a documentary, (laughs) okay, I'll finish it. But there are many. And so I was worried about like doing it justice and reaching everybody in their own, like talking to a mom and talking to a patient and talking to a da-da-da-da. And so the creative device that sort of came to me, I was talking to my assistant. I was like, God, I am answering all these questions all the time for people. And then it dawned on me that that's what the movie should be. There's a passenger in my car asking me all the questions and um they just appear there out of nowhere and the story starts way back in time like in the cosmos and along the way i explain how and why i was able to keep going and it has a lot to do with light which is interesting because i didn't know this like i named film limelight because of the you know double meaning with being on stage but right Limelight, finding your way back into the light after Lime. But also I didn't really realize it's amazing the things that will present themselves. If I had finished this movie last year, it wouldn't have had any of the cool stuff that I just found because I didn't give it enough space, right? I didn't give it enough space to breathe and be. It would have been my like truncated smashed version, just like the road trip itself was. was This smashed you get to the end. It's like everyone always wants to just skip to the end, you know? I used to do that. Read the last page of the book. I'm done. Um, <laughs> so I let it breathe and I'm still letting it breathe. And my assistant was just here for 10 days and we were going to shoot all these passenger scenes. And I was like, I'm putting that off because everything I want to come through is not done yet. But I do know that it's happening. And this is not a case of me procrastinating again. <laughs> There's a difference between procrastination and conscious allowing.
1: I like it. Question. Are you vegan? No, totally kidding. Don't need to know.
0: (laughs) You know the answer to that.
1: I know the answer to that. But, you know, to to backtrack just a little bit on something you said, those 760 other things going on, that, that is typical. And anyone listening to this who is dealing with Lyme disease, who doesn't know about Lyme disease, Lyme disease is not just one bacteria. It never is. It's not just, you know, uh, Borrelia sitting there. It is 760 underlying. I think that's the actual average we found. So that was a good number you threw out there, but it's a ton. And even when you eradicate, you know, Borrelia itself, a bacteria spirochete, which you can, you can do it actually. It's not incredibly difficult. You still got to deal with those 759 other problems. Hmm. And that's part of the problem with Lyme and why it is so difficult to treat. And then you have cellular memory. Your body's been through war. Don't expect just because someone says that Borrelia is gone, that the memory of that war and everything that happened to those cells and what they battled for so long is gone. So it's a long journey. And I think that's why it continues to change. You're always healing, right? And that memory is sort of there. And then you're always going through things. And I think it's wonderful that you're telling that story, you're doing it, and you're taking the time to tell that story. Now, one of the things I saw that you posted that I'm a big fan of Brene Brown she taught me a lot about how to be vulnerable, even as a male, which is very difficult for a lot of guys these days, but the quote itself, and I want you to go into this is one day you'll tell your story of how you overcame what you went through and it will be someone else's survival guide. You know, talk about that. Do you feel that this is, you know, you telling your story is another person's survival guide?
0: It's like, this I just had my birthday and I got like this right before I made the speech and my friend Maureen behind me goes, truncate it. <laughs> <laughs> Cause all my people know, like all my kids that I teach or like my students all know when I give a speech, <laughs> but, um, and then I turn it to humor because that's what I do. <laughs> but, um, you know, I offered somebody, my apartment yesterday, just a neighbor who I barely know, and she was talking, she's got a newborn and she was talking about parents coming to stay and how hard it is to negotiate space, but they want to be able to see each other. I go, why don't I just tell you when I'm away, your mom stay in my apartment. She goes, really? (laughs) I go, look, if people didn't let me stay at their houses during this whole time that I was, I didn't know that how, I didn't know what was going on. I just thought like, oh, I'm a crazy actor. Like, I'm burning the candle at both ends. I didn't really realize that there was something with, you know, machine guns inside of me firing away at all times. And so I really relied on the generosity of other people. So whether or not it was their story, it was their offering. And sometimes we mistake, there, there's just no replacement for people having an overabundance of stuff and things that they can share with somebody else it's no skin off their back, right? When it is skin off your back, that's amazing, you know, when you give and give anyway, but it's like we have so many resources as people. Everybody has something to give away. That in the end it's like it will come back to you. And so I just really feel like with the story as well as like my life, you know, like my my maid of honor at my wedding, she she said she takes the mic for the speech and she says, "Hello, raise your hand if Brooks ever slept on your couch and the whole freaking place. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, even then I still didn't know I had Lyme at my wedding and I still hadn't been treated. And I was just still going, 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 you know, but you know, it's not even like, Oh, I'm going to tell my story. So it can be somebody else's survival guide. It's like, no, that's nature. That's life. Things happen. When I, whenever I go on walks here, this is interesting. I'll go on a walk in California. You know, we have a lot of orange trees, a lot of citrus trees, avocado trees, just growing all over the place naturally. So I'll walk around the neighborhood and you walk by certain houses and there's just citrus on the ground, oranges everywhere. And I'm like, I always just stop and look at that. And I think, oh my God, there's so much. We've so much that we just let fall to the ground and rot. And if... We were a little more conscious of harnessing like our abundance and sharing it, we would have no problems because the world provides. The world provides, you know, the universe provides, the earth provides. We as human beings can do the same thing. I mean, and if you're not, you're not, whatever. But like for me, it's just an extension of me healing this story. So let's take all the altruism and all of the be nice to other people and be helpful out of it, right? Let's make it selfish. If I don't finish this thing, I'll feel like crap <laughs> because, because I said I was going to do it and I don't like an unfinished piece of business. That being said, the reason I was able to finish it and not be stuck in that, I hate myself for not doing this thing. When am I going to, it's going to suck. I don't, don't want to do it. I don't want to do it is because of the heartstrings that got pulled and get pulled all the time when people email me or call me saying, thank you. Because, you know, what else is there that's real anymore except for those exchanges between people?
1: Yeah. And telling your story is incredibly therapeutic for yourself, first right. of yes. right. Yes. And then it's going to be a beacon of hope for so many others. So that's the beauty of it. But I have a question for you because we live in a day and age where there's tons of content everywhere. It's social media. Where every A lot of people are putting out their stories, and, and who knows if they're real, because that's a part of it also. But there are so many people sharing so much in the world right now, yet we still have so much disease. It's worse than ever. What do you think that is? Is that, Do you think that's not being authentic to your story? Do you think that's just trying to show off and, and have ego? Because a lot of people use social media as a platform to generate likes, to not just tell a story, but it's the story they want to show. I actually heard that in the future, it's gonna be much more valuable that your digital self, the one no one ever truly meets, is more you know healthy and vibrant and successful than the real you. It's literally gonna be two of you. And you could be sitting in your house all day in your underwear, just fat, as long as your digital self is out there making money, looking good, like doing all this stuff. That's what's gonna matter more that they said, these people. So what do you think it is that has us in this state right now where it's like so much social media, so much going on, yet we're sicker and more depressed than ever?
0: There are two things there. And I'm going to forget the second one as I tell you the first one. Morning. <laughs> um, I think it's a beast that feeds itself. So I think social media technology came onto the scene. But let's go back to just technology and the internet way before even social media happened. And we had this sort of heightened exchange of information and this this amazing ability to communicate better, better than we ever had, because we could be digital, we could reach people on the other side of the world. It, it became free at a certain point. You know, there was still a point where you were like paying on Skype and, you know, and then all of a sudden it was like, it's free to talk to anyone anytime. And there are these wonderful perks, right? But kind of as with anything, I remember getting this, this quote on one of my Yogi tea bags. It said too much joy is bad for the heart. Mm. And I've never been able to track it down. It just says anonymous or whatever. But I think, I think it just said old Zen proverb or something like that on there. But you know, too much of anything, even your best friend, even the thing you love to do, like I said before, too much, too much, too much. If there isn't a balance, you know, I think we've created a monster and now the monster being, you know, the whole of this, this digital planet, you know, that we are now digital beings in. And it's, it's the same thing we were talking about with Manhattan. It's like that killer be killed, you know, it's like rush or get run down and it's become digital or disappear. And so when we were talking about healing before the choice, there is choice, right? And I, I know we're saying how hard it is to choose to be organic and tempered in a world that is rushing and synthesized, you know, like has all this like crazy sort of man-made nonsense going on, right? It's hard to keep that natural rhythm and flow. But there are people choosing to do it. You know, there are a lot of people, there are conversations like this happening. This is what art is for. And There are ways to digitally make art and connect. We are just abusing it. So another reason why I want to get Limelight Journey wrapped up is because my next project, which I think I told you about when I was at home, that Soda Pop Theater project Mm. with the bits of the lyrics. I, yeah. So I'm really excited because I want to produce something next that combines digital communication and artistic expression with the human experience. Because I don't think we are going to get away from the digital. It's just, it's here. And I think we'll die. I think we will implode if we don't keep the human element alive. That is not going to go well if we become fully digitized because we're not. That's not what we are. <laughs> Even if there's two of us, you know. So, yes. Yeah, so, to answer your question about is it, is it people's inauthenticity or these stories inauthentic that are creating the, you know, rounds and rounds of disease. It's the same thing we were talking about with the center and why NYCIM and centers like that. In my opinion, there's nothing like it, but, but places that strive to get to the bottom of things is because they want to understand the Energy behind the issue, the energy feeding the problem, and so it's the same thing with entertainment, and it's the same thing why I backed off of Limelight Journey. I didn't want a manic, frantic, sick, diseased energy fueling a project about wellness and stillness and human connection. I want to be the ball, so to speak. You know, it's like I wanted to be in it the way I'm talking about it, and and to remain authentic. So. I don't think people know necessarily when their energy is you know is driven by ego if they're driven by ego or greed or any of these things that will eventually run you into a brick wall and create a bloody mess that you're gonna have to clean up. It's nature, it's science, that's physics, it happens, right? So I think storytelling is is great no matter how you're telling your story because you're going to learn about yourself. So I, I applaud all the people on TikTok and I applaud all the people doing, you know, Instagram stories and IG lives who are figuring out how to put themselves forward in this weird, no manual world that we're in, especially now with the no manual. Like, what are we all doing? How do we handle all of this stuff going on? And I think that digital platform has become a place for people to really explore who they are and what they want to say. And I hope that people don't have to suffer too much or get beaten up too badly to figure out how to slow down and be honest with themselves and put forth a product and a and a message that's true and beautiful. I lie still all the time. I catch myself, you know. <laughs> you you keep dropping song names of mine. It's so funny. I should be writing them down. But you said it's a long journey. And last night. I was playing that song on my guitar and there is a, the, the, my favorite line, which is the line is, and though I know the answers, I sometimes still cheat.
1: Mm. It's beautiful. And listen, the way I feel about digital media and just social media is the same way I feel about like telemedicine and digital medicine. I think it has a place, but I also think it's ridiculous to think it will replace actual like place you go to and get treatment, right? You can't get on a phone with someone and get a procedure that is necessary for your health. You can't get on the phone with someone and actually get a connection with a doctor that's going to put their hands on you and really try and tell what's going on. And you won't have that level of trust there as well. And I think that's the same for any interaction. I think it's useful. I really do. And I think you could tell a wonderful story. But imagine being able to tell that story to someone while they're crying and hug them. Right, and have that connection. And I know you could reach so many more people. I guess what I'm saying is balance again. Right, look at the digital side, put out your story that way, but try and connect with people in real life as well.
0: Soda pop theater, Casper. It's coming I'm, to to Sydney near pitch you. This. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I want to comment quickly on what you just said um, yeah. about my experience with your my first experience with your dad. Oh yeah. Well, my experience with the clinic from the moment that I collapsed on the floor, like I was just, I thought I died. Like I thought I died. And this is, you know, a moment in the film where it's like the only reason I had, I had been so sick for so long that I was like. I didn't even know what was real or not anymore. It was every, I thought I was walking. Well, I still don't know what's real or what's not, but it's like.
1: No one does. No one does, right? (laughs) We're all in the matrix. (laughs) But but
0: honestly, there were days where I didn't know if I was still on the couch or if I was out getting the mail or if I was trying to drive. Like It was like just being on terrible drugs. And I just, I never knew where I was or what was going on. And at my very weakest, sickest, most, Horrible point. I was walking to my kitchen and I was so dehydrated and I was just shaking with like fatigue and illness. And I just wanted water and I got really dizzy and I collapsed. And I, you know, I make the joke, right? Because when it gets serious, I bring in the humor. And it's like the only reason when I opened my eyes on the floor, I knew I was not dead is because I had an Ikea baker's rack in my hand. And I'm like, (laughs) Wouldn't have taken this with me to which whichever place I'm going to. So then I was like, all right, I'm good. And I just remember the like the feel of the cold steel is what like kept me awake. And it was that moment right there where my where I started to get better because it's when I stopped allowing there to be any alternative. So in that moment, I think everyone who heals comes to this moment where they're like, there is no past, there is no future. I am on a floor holding a baker's rack and I'm, I'm removing myself from the equation. What's next? Who's listening? What's next? So how many times I've said this sentence, I crawled to my computer and I typed how I cured my Lyme disease. Because like you said at the beginning, I didn't want to manage it. I didn't want to you know, cope with it. I didn't want to treat it. I wanted to obliterate it. And you know, there there's that ferocious thing in me that's like, I'm gonna do this, you know. But at that moment, I wasn't fist holy and shaking the fists. I was like, okay, I I allow it. I allow this to happen now. And that's when I crawled to my computer and that's when I found Ben. And for people listening, that's Ben Aarons, and his TED talk is what led me to NYCIM. And it was when I met Dr. Schultz in the way that i met dr schultz that you know sometimes i wonder if he connects with each patient differently and my conversations with him are so, were so unique but when i sat across from him i was like this is a person a person first of all not a doctor even though he is a doctor this is a person who could be sitting at the dinner table with my parents at a holiday chatting who sees past everything that's wrong with me into what's right with me. And all of his language comes from a place of connected human connectedness. And you can just feel that sitting there. So I don't know if other people who stumble into his office sweating and dizzy are aware of that presence, but it connected to the same thing in me that has the ability to heal people. And that's for me, music and art and creativity, right? So again, like we were talking before, whatever your place is in this world, his happens to be, you know, in the lab or in the research room and with the patient. And so when the healer in him connected to the healer in me, I was like, oh, there's no other route but to heal because it just reflected. And that's something that occurs throughout all of Limelight Journey through the film is, I learned to recognize what I call glitter in the film. And I didn't realize again, like the the, um, the theme of light throughout this whole thing really started to present itself in creepy, crazy ways where I'd like walk in somewhere and suddenly a shutter would blast open and light would shine. I'm like, how did that, did someone plan that? And weird <laughs> things started happening where it was just these magical, you know, movie-based lighting trick things that no one was doing. And and it happens it happens with people. So all of the decisions that I made, right? All of the things that I paid attention to, adhered to, followed were shining. They were shining. They weren't smudgy or buried or diluted. I paid attention to the things that glowed. And that's how I got back to my, my glowy self is because I just followed the, the glitter trail. And, you know, sitting across from Dr. Schultz, that was That was number one. And it was also, there's no hierarchy of patient doctor. It was human, human, like being, being. And and that's why it's so difficult for any doctor or any healer or any teacher. You know, I teach. And it's like to train anyone to do what you do is completely impossible because it's often the essence of the human that is doing the teaching. It's the essence of the doctor that is doing the healing. And you know, just like we know from from all the work at innovative, it's the essence of the food that's doing the nourishing. It's the essence of things that actually make the difference, tell the story, heal the disease. It's essence, and that's that's where almost everyone and everything missed the boat, right It's the essence, and so I knew sitting there that that was reflecting in me. And I knew, you know, from from when I found Ben, that reflected in me. And I was like, oh, I have this essence that all these other people have. And I'm going to follow that because they're doing this and they're doing this and they're doing this. And it was less about what they were doing, but how it was coming across. And that doesn't mean that everyone's going to feel the same way about those people. Somebody could watch a Ted talk that you watch and be like, what the hell was that? I don't, what? No. You know, and then get something out of a Tom and Jerry cartoon that changes their life. You know? So it's like, (laughs) it's, you hear what you hear when you need to hear it and your vibration can only vibe where it's at with what is in its field. Right. And so When we open ourselves up and we open up our ears and our heart and our vibration, that's when we enter grace and are lifted and can hear things, you know?
1: Totally get that.
0: But that's missed.
1: You know, my father always says, and he wrote a book, The Art of Medicine, right? You got to be an artist in the medical field, in the healing arts So to say, you got to be creative. You have to be skillful and a craftsman doing it. And this idea that medicine is turning more and more into a technical thing, where we're all technicians and just following instructions and you know one protocol next. It's really you know it does harm to the medical field, and I think it, it really positions patients as patients as numbers on a chart, as lab results, and it takes the humanity out of it. So you know, hearing that story, it really. You know, it resonates with everything we're trying to do with my father's whole approach was that you are human mind, body, spirit, so much to you. You're so individual. You're so special in so many ways. And even if you're diseased, it doesn't mean there's the healthy person in you isn't there anymore. It doesn't mean the, the, the person that, that, you know, you were before is gone. Uh, you know, when you're healthy, vibrant, and, and not dealing with disease, it's just you have to be skilled in finding out how do we bring that person back? How do we get them back? And so to hear that, that's, that's really great. And I know, you know, you're, you're back and doing amazing things. And that's really, really cool. And I mean, who, who as a storyteller, who are you trying to pass this baton on to? Who do you like see as the people that will get something out of Limelight Journey?
0: I know for a fact, that's why I love Oprah, what I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know for a fact, because, you know, you just know things when you know them, you know them. And I know for a fact that there are many people who are dealing with not just Lyme, but chronic illness, who I have connected with, who share things with me on Instagram or Facebook or wherever it is saying, thank you for being an inspiration. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. So people who are ill, people who are struggling. And maybe not even ill in the sense, in the standard sense of, I have this wrong with me because the doctor says, but maybe people who are just sad and not shining mm. and feel less than. And, you know, that just leads right into disease. And then the second group of people that I really feel I continued for are the people who are caring for those people and the people who have to be a support in a, in this weird arena where it's just so confusing to be on the, it's confusing to be in the body, but it's really confusing to be outside of the body because it just looks insane. (laughs) It looks crazy. And you know how many times, man, my family was like, they tried so hard, but after a while they like shut me down because that was just another tactic. Maybe if we ignore her, it will go away. And I, you know, I don't blame them because if I had been making it up or doing it for attention or whatever, you stop feeding it, it goes away. But it was like that was really disheartening and it's a fine line for caregivers and family members and loved ones to walk because you don't want to feed it, but you also don't want to you want to be supportive, you know, and it's just such it's a really it's really draining, very draining. So, I don't know. I feel like a lot of it will just shed some light on what it's like to go through it and, and what you can do. You know, I'm babbling because these words don't matter. It's just going to be an enlightening, beautiful thing to watch. That's what I hope. I hope that when people watch it, their hearts are lifted. I don't really care if they get the science out of it or the answers out of it or like, am I vegan? <laughs> Acquiring minds want to know, watch the movie. Um, you know, I care that they're touched in a way that allows them to be present.
1: That's it. Right. And I think that's what's most important. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a weird question to try and distill like one thing you could give people suffering from Lyme and one thing you've, you've kind of seen in your own journey. Can you do it though? Can you kind of give, if you were to give one piece of advice to someone suffering with Lyme right now, chronic Lyme and really down in the dumps right now, what would that be?
0: Hundred percent easy for me to do this, okay. and you know it's it's basically what I've been saying. But if I need to put it into a sentence, it's follow what shines.
1: But if someone's saying, I can't tell what shines right now because I could barely get out of bed.
0: Well, that goes back to Ben's TED talk where you know I don't want to misquote the title of it. I always do. Is it one small breath, one deep, breath. one deep breath? You know, when he was bedridden and couldn't move, couldn't think, couldn't form sentences, he took a deep breath every day. And if that's all you can do, that's all you can do, but you have to do it. So there was a time in my life where I was gigging in New York City. I had this like standing gig at the triad where I was playing every Tuesday and I I didn't want to show up. I was like, I don't like this. I don't like going here. I don't enjoy. And this is like what I love more than anything in the whole world. I didn't like it. And my, my writing partner and my guitar player, Charlie, he was like, well, you're just depressed. He's like, that sounds like depression when you're not enjoying. And I was like, I, I was so confused. And it was because my I was f- forcing my body and expecting things of my body and my my entire being to get up and do things that didn't have the energy for. So of course you're gonna hate it, you know. There was pressure. It was too much pressure. And I I was not at that time good at removing the pressure like I am now. So I didn't know what, nothing was shiny then, nothing, not acting, not singing, not dancing, not babies, not puppies, not mountains, not, you know, (laughs) none Mm -hmm. of it. And, and now it's all shiny. And, you know, yeah, sometimes you're not going to be able to see that. And I do think the answer is in, in the breath, because Mm -hmm. the reason we can't see those things or we can't connect with them is we're going too fast. And, and if you don't, if you're not actively going too fast because you're sick, your body and your systems, all of them are going too fast because they're trying to save you. So the breath is what will bring all of those systems back to a place. And it's just one deep breath, mind you, just one per day. If you can't do that, you're already in your coffin. So, but you know, it's it's if you can't see what's shiny and everything looks dark, you gotta rely on your breath to level out all of the things that are crowding and clouding your vision and your view and your experience in the world. And it really, that's, I hated sitting and breathing, hated it. I still don't, I don't, I'm not a fan. I I have a very hard time with stillness and meditation, but I have found it in other ways. You know, I have found stillness and meditation through writing and there are ways to bring yourself present. But if you can't move your body and if your your psyche can't appreciate anything, just take a friggin breath.
1: It's yeah. a great starting point for anyone because you're right. it's it's the one thing that that you most likely can even if it's not a deep breath, just be conscious of it. How deep can you make it, right? And just right. be conscious and and grateful for that breath. right And start there. start with one, go to two, go to one foot on the ground. like you will improve over time and be patient. I mean, we, we've seen this a lot. We've heard these stories and your story and you know, they all have uh, bottomed out and uh, you know, hit the rock bottom before they get back up. But they ha- it happens if you allow it to.
0: Yeah. And let me say that in physically going into the memory of taking the breath when I was really struggling, like at my lowest, it can happen. What happened to me was that, and I think it happens with a lot of really, really ill people, I would feel my body fight against the breath. Mm. So my heartbeat, my heart would go like this, you know, and, I, and my, it would hurt my head. I was so toxic and tired that the, even a breath felt harmful. And I have a friend who does, you know, he healed himself from Lyme. I've told you about him, Veer, he's amazing. And he wrote the Liberating Lyme book. I think, did I give it to you? His whole thing was breath work, breath work, breath work. Yep. So he's always trying to get me to do these rapid fire breaths. I'm like, yo, I'm going to die if I do this. Like, I cannot, this feels terrible. You have to, you know, pull it back, way back. And it's like, even if you have to think the breath, think the breath. And if your body begins to fight against it, that's natural. And, you know, it's movement. Movement hurts when you're that sick it's, it can be really painful. And what you need to do is start moving things. And I know we're talking about stillness and movement in the same breath, right? But it's like the breath is going to, I, I guess instead a better word than movement is to create space. So the breath is going to create space, right? Even if it's a small, more oxygen than you breathed your last 40 breaths creates more space. So if you can just take in a little bit more, then you're going to create space. And the more space that you create, which then invites stillness, right? Allows your body's systems, your nervous system, your cardiovascular system, like everything, your digestive system, it allows it all to settle into that rest and digest sort of parasympathetic space where nature takes over and we start to function rightly instead of by clinging to things and grasping and running. And then I guarantee you, things will start to shine. That's why I love Ben's story. He kept his wetsuit out on his chair. And so he could look at it. He's a surfer, you know, and he, he kept the wetsuit out. And that was something that was a visual reminder. And he maybe couldn't get out of the bed. He couldn't put the wetsuit on, but he could see it and seeing things. So that's like, in my case, when I, I didn't even know I was going to do a road trip, I named my car Hollywood. <laughs> I was living in New York and I'm like, one of these days I'm going to get back on a set you know, because I got ripped out of my career. It ended. I was too sick. And I was, I had producers writing shows, writing a spin-off show for me. I was, you know, I'm going to Warner Brothers every day for work in my beat up old white Buick that my parents had shipped out here, right? We called it the storm the stormtrooper. And, you know, I was climbing that ladder. I was on my way. And then I left because I was just sick. So anyway... Point being, I named my car Hollywood just to give myself a destination.
1: Here I am. It's the power of visualization. I think yeah. it's an incredible uh, you know, motivator and an incredible manifester. And and don't ever doubt it, especially when you're sick. And it is something as simple as just putting your pants out, right? And say, I'm going to get up one day and get in those and take a beautiful walk in the park. It's not today, but yeah. maybe it'll be tomorrow. Maybe it'll be next week. Maybe it'll be a month. I'm going to start with one breath and go from there. Just start yeah.
0: Start is the key word, right?
1: And you shall see the glitter soon enough. You will. So t- tell us when and where can we experience limelight journey?
0: Oh, let me channel that one down. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. My hopes are to have it done uh, this November.
1: Which Ooh, be... that's, that's like 60 days, not to make you nervous or put okay. any pressure on you.
0: <laughs> I like pressure and I like nerves. So bring it on. I don't want to remain in my bubble of comfort I like a challenge. Um, yeah, it's, it's being edited. It's the whole thing was being put together these past, this past 10 days with summer, my assistant and my other assistant Toria, my two girls who helped me. And, um, all I need to do is shoot these extra scenes, which for me, like it's, that's a couple of days. And then the editing happens. So I'm, I'm aiming for November, but definitely end of year, maybe it'll be the holiday gift that I put out and it will be for free. I'm not selling it or pitching it anywhere. I'm just putting it up because at this point, it's a learning process for me. You know, I wasn't a documentary filmmaker before this. I don't know if I'll be called one after it, but, but the truth is I will be one because I will have finished a documentary. And that's that when people say, how do you do stuff? How do I become this? Well, just do it. I just made this and it will be judged by people in ways that I would probably care not to hear. And it will also help many, many, many people just feel better about where they're at and hopefully help people pass on all of the beauty and abundance that they get when they heal. And then it just keeps going. It's just, it's the flow, right? It's the pay it forward flow. And um, yeah, so definitely by December, but the place to find that is limelightjourney.org. And that's obviously lime with a Y. (laughs) limelightjourney.org. And then my website is studiopci.com. And that's where that's where the magic happens.
1: Well, thank you so much. I, I really can't wait for this. And I know it's going to impact so many people's lives because again, how many people come through the doors of this clinic looking for that hope and asking not so much about the medical treatments about people that have gotten better. Like you said, that that was your greatest hope. You went on, you know, when you were got up off the floor and went to the computer, typed it in, found Ben, and that was the beacon of hope. And I know so many people are going to find Line Light Journey, and that will be their beacon of hope. So awesome job for that. Can't wait for it. Um, Brooke, as always, a pleasure. I'm sure we'll be hitting each other up on Slack in a few minutes after this anyway. Talk to you so. in
0: three seconds.
1: Yeah, yeah. We will talk to each other very soon. But to everyone listening, go out, check this out, Line Light Journey and uh, Studio PCI. Brooke, thank you again.
0: Thank you, and thank you for everything, as always.
1: There's never a shortage of miraculous stories of overcoming chronic disease, and each one is incredibly unique. Limelight Journey comes out in January 2021, and it'll be available for free. To follow her ongoing journey, find Brooke on Instagram at limelightjourney, that's L-Y-M-E, and at Studio PCI, or you could visit her website, limelightjourney.org. Remember, regardless of where you are in your journey, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Keep writing your own healing story, for one day it will be someone else's beacon of hope and their survival guide.